For over 33 years, CIUT FM has delivered the sound and the news of your city. 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 Hi, this is Blame. This is MC Copper. Yo, it's your boy Thanks. This is MC Tell. Hey, this is Colette Warren. Yo, this is TRAC. Hey, this is Conrad Subs. Yo, this is Inja. Hi, this is Cleveland Watkins. This is DRS. You are listening to my main man, Valiant MC. And you're listening to Valiant MC. Valiant MC. The one and only, my homeboy, Valiant MC. You're listening to Valiant MC. Valiant MC bringing you the show, fam. And I'm chilling out with Valiant right now. You listen to Valiant MC. Valiant MC. You're listening to Valiant MC. On the prophecy. The prophecy. On the prophecy. Yeah, you are locked in to the prophecy. On the prophecy. On the prophecy. On the prophecy. CIUT 89.5 FM. CIUT 89.5 FM Toronto. On CIUT 89.5 FM. On CIUT 89.5 FM. FM Toronto CIUT 89.5 on your dial check it check it yeah what's up Toronto this is Valiant MC and it is Friday night so you know what that means it is time for the prophecy here on CIUT 89.5 FM drum and bass radio since 1994 and tonight we have an episode that might not please some people just because I'm not going to be playing tons of music, but I am interviewing two luminary figures in drum and bass. First off, we have MC Focus, the voice of Sofa Sounds and Dispatch Recordings. We're going to be talking about the releases he's got coming out on Dispatch and Flex Out Audio. And after that, we have an interview with MC Tally, who should need no introduction. Her first album, Lyric on My Lip, was one of the first MC albums released in drum and bass music on Full Cycle Recordings. Since then, she's released a number of albums, including Love and Migration in 2017 on Focus Recordings and her new one, Future Dwellers, which she produced entirely herself. So we're going to be talking about that process with her and much more. Underneath me right now is Strength by Marcus Visionary coming out in Inner City Dance. Loving this one. And before the interview, we got a track from Focus and Medic MC as X-Bar Theory. This one is called Style and Substance. And we, yes, we do talk about this during the interview. It was produced by Trex. And a uh, big up to everybody that came out to the Rest is History after party. That was a hot and sticky rave if there ever was one. I have not been to something like that in a lot of years. So enjoy these interviews, everybody. And once again, this is The Prophecy. Demonstrate lyricism around the full circumference, yeah. We got style and we got patterns. Ran rings around his rhymes. Recognized like Saturn. We got style, yeah. We got substance. Demonstrate lyricism around the full circumference, yeah. We got style and we got patterns. Run rings around his rhymes. Recognized like Saturn. We spit fire from the start until the final credits. Anything test with Eddie. Focus, medic. Got these other mic man straight, looking for the exit. Words embedded, fuel for the night, unleaded. And it's unfiltered, check it. You can see the sediment. Skill set is evident, robust and relevant. 
Wordplay decadent, a poet with passion Here to make a statement, not here to follow fashion Circumference, yeah, we got style and we got patterns, run rings around his rhyme, recognize like Saturn. But are we are we, we just go. doing voice? You don't don't want me on the camera or anything. Is this just a, vo- a voice? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, yeah, it's just. It, I mean, you can be on camera if you want. But I'm just saying, well, it's, uh, it's all right. I, I'll, I I'll, I'll take my on. special outfit off then, and I'm, that I put on especially for you. <laughs> and I'm going to put my my skanky clothes back on. And I've even tidied the bedrooms. I thought, oh no, you might see how messy the bedroom is. And <laughs> so yeah, man, you got a lot of you got a lot of stuff on the on the docket here. Uh, I was going through what you sent me, and you've got quite a bit coming up. So let's uh, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, man. Let's, so let's go for it. You've got a couple of mixes. Uh, so tell me about those. Yeah, basically over the last, I mean, some of these things have only surfaced in the last few weeks. But as I'm sure you appreciate, sometimes things uh, you, you record something and then it comes out a bit of a later date. But yeah, I would say over the last couple of months. Um, both Sofa Sound and then the guys at Bulk Up Beats wanted to do some different sort of mixed projects. So the, the Sofa Sound one in particular was a concept that um, was driven by Gusto. So big up MC Gusto 
Um, he's, you know, obviously a big part of Sofa Sound and works closely alongside DLR as his MC. So we were just talking and, um, yeah, Gus had some ideas of how we can try and put the MC in the limelight a bit more. You know, Sofa Sound um, has always been... They've they've always been keen to sort of represent the MC inside of things as well. Um, right. And, yeah, Gus was just like, look, I've got this idea. We're going to call it Mike Insights. And, uh, yeah, we basically, the premise of it is, you know, we want to push the MC to the forefront a little bit. So the concept is like a 20-minute mix, which I really like. You know, obviously, you're, you're an MC yourself. Like, sometimes doing a 60-minute, 90-minute mix, it feels really like a long time. And I think <laughs> we could do it, obviously. And right. I, I've, I've, I enjoy them sometimes. But the 20-minute concept, I was like, mm, okay, my ears pricked up a bit. I was like, yeah, this this can work because it's condensing it into a nice... And, and I also think, as well, maybe people's attention spans have waned a little bit over the last few years, mine included. So Definitely. it's like, yeah, 20 minutes, that's concise. We can do what we need to do in 20 minutes. We can make it punchy. People will listen from start to finish, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I was like, cool, I like that. And then he said, but what we're going to do is it's not going to be like a and a kind of thing. Just um, talk around these subjects at the beginning of the mix and keep it to a couple of minutes long. Now, so being honest, the first one I sent to them, I, I, I struggled to uh, get it down to less than 10 minutes. Um, so talking about origins and influences and, and stuff like this um but I'm, i managed to go back in and do a bit more of a concise version so yeah really long story short the sofa sounds mic insight is about three minutes of me kind of talking at the beginning of the mix here i'm focused this is what i'm uh this is where i'm from this is what i'm all about kind of setting the scene and then we go into a nicely crafted mix which was um which was mixed by another man who's one of the sofa sound artists um and then to run alongside it, the guys at Sofa Sound said, "We'll do do some video reels, uh, just just do some reels talking about almost like behind the scenes, I guess would be the best way to describe it. You know, you've talked for a couple of minutes uh, at the beginning of the mix, but to really like give it a bit more of a push and an insight, uh, yeah, do some reels and do some behind the scenes stuff. So I talked about in a in a little bit more detail as, as much as you can in a one minute reel. <laughs> um, talked about you know UK MC culture, um, some of my favorite career moments and and stuff like this um what my what my personal definition of a, of a good mc is and this kind of stuff so when you put the whole package together it was a is a mix with a a few extras for the people that are really into their mcs or you know people that just want to learn a bit more about the the person behind the music really right right okay yeah you know it's <clears throat> it's interesting the the evolution of drum and bass the technology obviously has had a big part of that um I mean, I come from the vinyl days. And so, you know, same as that, same as that. But I took a hiatus from drum and bass for quite a long time. And when I came back, it was like, there was a lot of stuff to get used to. Um, and I feel like as the technology and, and the formatting, uh, uh, the attention spans, as all that has changed, um, it's been interesting to see how MCs have adapted to this, to this environment. I think it's just a, mm. it requires a slightly different skill set than before, but we have entered what many people are calling kind of the golden age of MCs in drum and bass now. I mean, MCs are now recording artists in their own right. In 2002, I would never have thought that I would have a catalog of work. I would never have thought that other MCs would have a catalog of work. And yet here we are. For you, how has that evolution kind of played into your evolution as an artist? Yeah, I totally agree, man. I think it is. It, you're right in the sense that you know a lot of people are now transcending being 
when I say just an MC, I don't mean just an MC as in like um, in a disrespectful way, but it, people are, we've gone beyond that whole thing of like the MC should almost be heard and not seen kind of thing or, you know, like the, like the comments you get back in the day or maybe even still get from some people, but you know, I don't really like MCs, but <laughs> you're all right because you don't say too much. You, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that kind of right, stuff. Of course. As, as a massive fan of MC culture and everything around MCs, to me, it's always been an integral part of the scene. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine going to a party and not having an MC and, and enjoying it as much as I could. If I, I just need that extra connection as a, I'm talking as a fan and as a, as a raver, let alone someone that's involved in the scene. Yeah. I just think like the, the, the landscape's changed a little bit and, you know, it's a hundred percent been, I think there's certain people that have, helped drive it forward uh you know obviously the mc community at large people have been you know i can't list everyone but there's been a hell of a lot of people that have been making music and pushing themselves as an artist and everyone's helped to to uh play their part if you like but i kind of look at people like um drs and and inja would probably be the two that i would pick off the top of my head who have really gone out gone out there and built a you know really impressive back catalog of work that could certainly rival you know, probably some producers back catalogs. Um, oh yeah, the two of them and, can outdraw a lot of a lot of. People yeah, man. Yeah, exactly, easily. exactly. And obviously, Inja like even DJs himself now, and like I think he sort of even DJs for himself, like he's MCing and DJing at the same time, which is like pretty mind blowing to me. Um, yeah, Diligent Fingers have been doing that for a while too. He's really. I, I don't. I don't understand how. <laughs> I don't understand the multitasking involved because I'm like that would yeah. boggle my mind. Have to mix and MC would just it kind of scares me. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I've, I've got Technic set up downstairs, so I'm a vinyl man myself, and I, I'm I'm okay. I'm fairly competent beat mixer on Technic. Right, right. I wouldn't call myself a DJ, but I enjoy mixing. But I've got no idea how to use CDJs and and DDJs particularly. I did actually buy a, a Pioneer ddj like a basic one at the beginning of the first lockdown whenever that was and um it just gathered dust i couldn't really get into it like just like the techniques and i like flicking through records and all the rest of it but yeah like when you look at like drs injure and and a multitude of other people like they kind of made it acceptable to the public to the to the ravers to the you know to the listeners for an mc to become now this artist in their own right i think it was already acceptable to most of the people in the scene or certainly the MCs themselves. You know, I think a lot of people have been driving at that for a long time. And and to be honest with you, like, you know, I'm not saying that DRS and Ninja started this. It's just that they really pushed the profile. You can go back to the early nineties or like the jungle days, really the glory days and jungle was kind of like the new sound. And you've always had people even like MC debt, you know, he made an album very early on navigator. All these guys were, were still recording artists, but it felt like there was still a limit to what it could be maybe back in those days. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like now <clears> the <throat> sky is the limit, you know, like, like we just touched upon, let alone have they got a back catalog that you can access through Spotify or Bandcamp or whatever. You can now also go and see Inja play a full Inja show where you can go and see DRS in session and get an hour of him performing just his own music. Do you know what I mean? Which, which is amazing. And yeah, yeah. it's definitely inspired me. Um, I've always kind of felt like, the live arena hasn't always allowed me to represent myself to the fullest. I felt like what whilst I probably enjoy live performances more than being in the studio, I feel that it's in the studio where you can actually kind of get your real thoughts and you, you can kind of put forward the exactly the type of artist you want to be within that setting and then put this music out there for the world to listen to. 
Yeah, you know, I think about like the, the albums that have, have come out, the, the drum bass albums that have come out over the years and and some of them now, like, you know, they are from MCs. I think like Track and, and DRS have put out albums that I think ranked up there and among the the great albums. It, it's weird to me. It's it's always funny to me when people are like, you know, I don't really like MCs or they don't quite understand it or whatever, or even understand the concept of, a, of an MC releasing their own music because, you know, we don't mm. blink an eye at a rapper releasing music yeah. but as soon as a drum bass what is that does, about what is I, that it's, so it's weird, a strange it? disconnect and considering how much hip-hop plays a, a part in the dna of drum and bass i don't understand that disconnect at all it, it is so strange to me i kind of feel like maybe their route into the music is has been slightly different and, and there's nothing wrong with that but maybe they've come into this just by listening to just all they know is you know, DJ mixes, studio mixes. They have, have they ever been to a like a rave? Have they been to? Have they got a tape pack? Have they done their research and gone back to like? I don't know. Do, am I making sense? Like, it just makes yeah. me feel like, wow. Like, <clears throat> how can you not sort of have a a wider awareness of MCs if if you're into this culture? Or maybe maybe some people don't care about the culture and they just they just like the tunes made by a said producer and and that's fine as well. Like, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong to this. Oh no, I agree. I I, th- I think there are people that that are just in it for you know for the beats. They have bypassed that connection. I think f- from a North American standpoint, especially being American originally, uh, when I heard MC Conrad for the first time, that to me was like a, a little bit of a light bulb moment because he was rapping. It wasn't like he didn't have a typically dance hall flavor. He didn't have a typically British flavor. He sounded like a rapper. And I was like, oh, this makes sense to me. Mm. When when me and the other American MCs did um, car bars, like a lot of people we noticed in the comments were like, "You guys all just sound like you're rapping," and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, of course it does. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're doing. Like like we're American. Like what do you what do you want us to do? This is like how we came at it, you know. And vocally speaking, we come at drone bass from like a hip hop perspective, I think. And so for us, that kind of stuff makes lots of sense. And it's a different kind of connection, I think, maybe than what you'll find people have in the uk and i think that's where there's some difference but you know that it just it, it's just always kind of blew my mind that people would hear this and they would not think to themselves oh this is cool the disconnect is very mystifying to me and not to be honest with you i don't think it's ever really going to go away i think no, <clears throat> there'll be a bit no. of an evolution i think that drone bass and mcs in general are going to evolve to such a point where it'll become a much bigger thing but i think there's always going to be that a large contingent of people who are like nah I'm good on the MCs, you know what I mean? Yeah, which is which is fair enough. Like you know, each to their own. But I think what's good as well is that um, you know you can turn on. I don't know what it's like over in in Canada or the states, but you can turn on commercial radio here of an afternoon, uh, like Kiss FM or something like that, and a tune <clears> will come on, um, a drum and bass tune with with an MC on it. Um, right. You know, there, there's certain artists that. That, that it's obviously it's the more commercial end of it, but nonetheless, like it's getting people used to. Um, it just get it's just almost like con- conditions the right word, but it gets people more used to it, doesn't it? They're hearing drummer based tempo beats, which even years ago, you know, still wasn't like a main uh, like a daytime thing that would get played on the radio. But now it's like it's almost like drum and bass to an extent is like the new pop music uh, to a certain degree. And mm-hmm. people are more used to hearing that tempo beat, that 170 or whatever it is, that type of beat with an MC or a vocalist. Uh, and it's getting played at the big festivals and this kind of thing. So I think that, I think it's good. Like it feels like it's opening up 
and people are a bit more used to just making that association now with drum and bass beats and and vocals and i know we're talking about mcs but you know in the same regard definitely got a big up all of the, the vocalists and singers because there, there's lots of vocalists that are becoming artists within their own right as well you know you oh, look at someone like uh like ria you know she does her own I was watching some videos the other day, but like she does her own thing as well with this real live where she's DJing and singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we we're talking about Inja, you know, she's she's doing that, um, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, the Colette Warren and lo- lots of other vocalists, obviously. I'm sorry to anyone I've not name checked, but there, there's tons of people that are established artists, whether vocalists, MCs, rappers, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I actually just interviewed, I interviewed Tally the other night uh, for, oh, okay. the same inter- for the same episode, actually. And she just Amazing. put out a new album. We were talking a little bit about how she's kind of made that jump from, you know, her as a vocalist and an artist into being a producer and how different that is. And uh, it, it's interesting and long overdue to see yeah. MCs and artists branching out into becoming more well-rounded uh, definitely artists. yeah yeah i'll look forward <clears throat> to i'll have to keep my eyes peeled for her for her project it sounds good uh yeah i think it just came out actually like just oh, okay um so yeah hey t- so tell me about x-bar theory actually because i i listened to that a couple times uh, i was enjoying it so uh what's the background on that one yeah so right x-bar theory uh it's kind of two years in the making more or less maybe even a bit longer now but yeah uh so x-bar theory is myself and medic so medic lives down in bristol uh he's someone that you know, I, I play quite a lot in Bristol. It's a t- uh, city that I visit quite a lot to go and MC in. And um, he was someone that was on the scene. Like I would kind of noticed him and we got talking one one evening or whatever. And um, yeah, there was kind of like a mutual respect for what each other was doing. Uh, and then fast forward, however long, we sort of said to each other, look, let's link up. You know what it's like. Let's collaborate like with like-minded people. Right. Let's collab. Um, so what happened is... Uh, I'll give you the quick version. He, he, he's a bit of a taskmaster, you know, big up medic. He's my boy. And he was like, right, okay, let's stop saying we're going to collab, right? This Sunday, I'm going to come around your house at 10 a.m. And bearing in mind, right, he lives in Bristol, which is a three-hour drive from where I'm at. And he's like, um, I've got this beat made by Trex. Uh, he said we can use the beat. I'm coming around at 10 a.m. We're going to sit down. We're going to write this tune. Uh, so, yeah, he rolls up at my house, 10 a.m., uh, have a cup of tea, whatever, and then put the tune on, and then we write um we write all the lyrics so this tune uh became style and substance which uh, was our sort of debut single from from the ep but um yeah so we wrote all the lyrics uh we practiced it rehearsed it we went into the studio in my house recorded it and by about seven o'clock uh we the track was done and dusted and yeah it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward like i do 16 bars you do 16 bars type of thing it was like let's go in so like as as when you listen to the tune like you'll notice this lots of two bar switches there's lots of call and response type stuff there's i do eight bars he does eight but then the next section i do two bars and then he comes back in like we wanted to keep it really dynamic um and then we ended up recording a video for it uh, I went down to Bristol. We shot a video, which is which is up on YouTube on the on the Skank and Bass channel. But yeah, so by this point, we're thinking, okay, we've done a tune. Uh, what do we do? Like, should we just do some more? And you, and and this is why stuff takes so long to come out because one tune then becomes, oh, I tell you what, why don't we get two or three more beats and let's do an EP? Okay, wicked. Let's do that. So you can see how things take so long to sort of reach the <laughs> listeners ears <laughs> right right um but he, and then we're kind of thinking okay well what do we do like we don't we don't want to call ourselves like yeah focus and medic let's let's come with a name let's actually cement this and become 
you know, for want of a better description, let's become a duo. Like we're both very much in line with our thought, like the discussion we were just having, our thoughts on the culture, our love for all things MC related. Yeah, long story short, we came up with the name X-Bar Theory. We decided to do an EP. But again, what, what was different about this release compared to what I'm used to doing is that we didn't know what label this might end up on. And we wanted to kind of, obviously I had my inklings where it might go, but we wanted to try and keep an open mind. And we said, let's do the music. And let's, what, what we should do is give a, create a completely finished product and then take it to the label that we'd like to release it. So we literally got all the tunes mixed and mastered. We shot the video. We, you know, we did it all off our own back. We got all the logos done, all the artwork. And then we sat down and said, okay, you know, go-to guy for this is going to be Ant at Dispatch. Uh, we took it to Ant and he was like, this is sick. Yeah, I'm on board. Because, you know, we, we presented a fully polished product and all, all Dispatch really had to do was say, yeah, we like this. Let's release it. Do you know right. what I mean? Um, which is a different approach. And I, I think it was quite a good one. But yeah, so then you you fit into the label's release schedule. So whilst X-Bar Theory, our debut music, only kind of really landed at the beginning of June, but really in my mind, it's something that started two years ago. And we've put two years of graft and thought. And, you know, there, there's been periods where me and Medic have linked up almost on a weekly basis to kind of practice because we're trying to take this... Well, we are. We're taking this out into the clubs as, you know, you can book us as Focus and Medic, but you can book X-Bar Theory uh, where we've we've got our own DJs uh, who I wouldn't say that we dictate what they play, but we work with them to ensure that an X-Bar Theory set is loaded with the right type of beats that we can really go in on. Plus, plus there's an element of a live PA to it as well. So the DJ will play our instrumentals for us to perform the lyrics over. And then when they play other tunes, um, you know, stuff that the crowd will like and recognise, it's the right type of music. So it's nothing that's too too noisy. You know, it's got it's got to complement what we're trying to do as, as lyricists. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times. You know, we've only really kind of just got out there into the clubs. We did, uh, we played our first show down at Intrigue in Bristol a couple of months back, I think, maybe in June. Yeah, we don't see too many uh, MC pairings or combos, as it were. So that's uh that's exciting. And so in the live setting, you do the call and response and the two for two and that kind of stuff. Yeah, as well. man, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. And and there's also elements, you know, like where we'll just go. We try and gauge it off the crowd. And like obviously, we've only on two XBT shows so far. But like what I want to try and introduce, when we, especially when we're working with our own DJ, we'll have a tune that when the DJ plays, me and Medit both know that this is the one where we actually freestyle. Like I love two bar switches. I love it. So like we can. We've practiced it enough so that we can freestyle back and forth, two bars each, actually freestyling, you know, just coming off the head. But we can do it in a way that's quite engaging for the crowd. So I'm really looking forward to when we can do a show um, with our DJ and then we can, yeah, we can actually get some of this live. You know, you're almost like bringing that kind of hip hop element, which you can relate to where that you get in the crowd yeah. involved in the show a little bit and Absolutely. keeping them engaged. You know what I mean? Just talking about the DJs, it's quickly got a big up Dan Excess, uh and and dom as well uh who are our two djs yeah regarding focus in and the illustrator those are two now are those is focus in a single yeah basically so focus in um this is a tune i've been sitting on for a long time really? a long time okay. yeah and it's kind of changed a little bit since it sort of first inception but but yeah it's it's something i'm really 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 keen to get out and get let people hear um 
And yeah, long story short, it's going to be coming out on Flex Out Audio, hopefully in and around September time. Um, so I've done a video for it, which we're just sort of finishing off now, but it's going to have a video. And yeah, it's going to be a single. It's going to be a focused single and my debut uh, debut single on Flex Out. Uh, and yeah, really, really got a big up Tom at Flex Out. He he really got behind it, and again, like it's not it's not typical D and B. I'm kind of hoping that people it will prick up the ears of people that maybe don't even check for drum and bass or don't sort of listen to drum and bass that regularly. I just wanted it to be a tune with lots of lyrics in it, quite a sparse beat. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's some it's something I'm really proud of, and I, I you know I'm keen to uh, to hear what what people's reaction is to it. See what people do with the videos. You know, not many people. There's not like there's not like tons of DMB videos, you know, and it's not like a, it's not just like a uh, how would you describe it? Like a don't know the words now. Like I'm in the video basically. It's not like loads of images and like um, arty sort of stuff. Like <laughs> I'm in the video. I'm performing in the video. I tried to make it a bit of fun. It's not like meant to be too serious. Um, so yeah, man, it would be interesting to see how that goes down. Um, me and Armani Rain and Tracker in a group chat, and we're constantly sending ideas back and forth and the two of them are very big on like the video the video medium i illustrate on the side so like they're they're constantly going back and forth with video ideas and stuff like that and it's really cool okay. to see people branching out into trying to turn this into a visual medium for people because i think that's one of the things yeah. we've needed for a long time is we've needed videos we've needed even long i would love to see some like long form videos like I guess a music video like on steroids for like a DJ set, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. No, that'd be interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Or uh, when Red Eyes released, uh, I think it was his most recent, I can't remember if it was his album or an EP, but he did all the visuals for it on his iPhone. The whole wow. thing. And it's mostly black and white, but it's cool though, because it kind of fits the mood of the music that he put out. And yeah. I was like, this is neat. This is like something that people should really try to work their way towards but again you know when people are creatives they're creative in their lane and they don't think about mm. possibly trying to branch out into other things that they're not experienced with so it's a uh, it's it's refreshing to see that kind of stuff because it gives you more it just gives people more to grasp onto yeah and again, connect like to that music in multiple ways yeah 100 man like we said at the beginning like it's just trying to give people a bit more of, of the person behind the music humanize it a bit and, and to be honest with you like doing videos is well out of my comfort zone um, I had to push myself to try and do these things. I don't see myself as a, a natural when you're in front of the camera. So, yeah, no, it's good to do these things. And I think, um, yeah, I think we could, we'll see a lot more of it. Yeah. Video wise, it's funny. I, I've uh, my personality is not built for I'm seeing a lot of ways because I don't love being the focus of like what people are looking at sometimes. Mm hmm. So like when we were doing car bars, I felt like weird doing it. I was like, wait a minute. So I got to like wrap at the camera. Oh yeah. It was the strangest thing. I was like, what do I do with my hands? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> was that quite intense? Cause well, obviously you were in like a confined space as well. Well, yeah. I well, I mean, that, that's not, that's not a big deal to me, but it was like, I just didn't, I'm not a rapper hands guy. Nor, you know, there's some guys that are like, and I'm not, and by the way, this isn't me slamming that. It's just no, not, no. I have a more introvert personality. So I'm like, I talk with my hands a lot, but it was weird for me to like, okay, how do I do this without looking dumb? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, mate, I can totally relate. And to be honest <laughs> with you, like, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm the same, but I, I've never felt comfortable in front of the camera. Well, mm -hmm. now let me rephrase that until recently. I haven't felt very comfortable in front of the camera and I still don't. But what I've done 
uh, is make myself basically go on camera more. Like when we did the X-Bar Theory video for Style and Substance, um, check it out. Go go on the Skanker Base YouTube and check it out. But it it's a really cool video, but I look at it and, th- <laughs> you know, it's just me just being honest and just I sort of think, oh, man, like I remember how nervous I felt. It was the first time I'd ever done a video in my life of anything like that other than just sort of someone sticking a camera in front of your face at a rave or whatever, which isn't the same. And like like I said, this this tune is intricate. Like it's not just the 16 bars and then you're done. It's it's flipping hard to remember the lyrics when you when it's still fresh, you know. Two years oh, yeah. later, I'm, I'm oh, good yeah. with it. But so we're out on the streets of Bristol. We filmed across five different locations. We must have done the lyrics to it, and we each take we did the lyrics from start to finish, the whole track. And and yeah, I mean, there was points where I was thinking, oh my god, I can't remember the lyrics. Like I've got this camera, like I've got three different cameras, all different angles, like people walking around us, behind us, the main camera in front of us. What do I look like? You know, all this stuff, you know, it's like all this stuff's going through my head and I'm trying to hold it down and perform and not look like a, sh- like, um, what's like the expression, like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I kind of managed to pull it off, but I see that this is the thing with me, right? I'm not even trying to make any pretense. Like I welcome anyone listening to this. Now that you've heard the behind the scenes bit, go and watch the video and see what you think because there's element there's moments in it where i think <laughs> i look prang there like i knew i remember <laughs> that bit and i remember thinking oh but you know but i'm not trying to dissect it like forget all that like i can't be asked all the dissecting things down to the nth degree like i look at it and i think do you know what i'm really proud of this video it was a great experience um, i'm not trying to say that i'm the finished article yeah of course i'm comparing myself to the next man oh look at so and so like he looks so confident well, who cares? Like, that's not me. Like, and, and then you never know. You talk to the next man who you think's really confident and they've got their own story and their own issues and ins and outs. So I just kind of think, yeah, I mean, I, I went off topic a little bit, but basically I've had to push myself even to the point where like doing a reel, like these reels for the sofa sound thing that we talked about earlier on, like I don't really like even just sticking my phone in front of my face and talking, <laughs> but I've got better at it because I've just done it on a, looking daily basis like i just try and practice mc into the camera a bit more just because i feel like it's worth improving at because because of the reasons we just said like things are going in a bit more of a a visual direction and don't get me wrong i don't want to be a slave to the flipping algorithm and instagram and all the rest of it but you know there's no doubt about it if you want to try and build a bit more of an online presence which as artists you know we kind of need to do to a certain extent you've got to be in it to win it then yeah, everyone says, "Oh, do reels. Reels are the one at the moment." I'm sure it will change. So I've, I've tried to get better at doing reels. Do you know what I mean? Right, um, right. Yeah, and, you know, we're not we're not like as naturally fucking cool as as Dell is, and we're not like <laughs> all handsome and stuff like that, like Degs is and stuff. So it's like, man, what have I got to do? <laughs> this is it. But it would be interesting to hear, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I know you've. I'm, pretty certain you've mc that's uh, already interviewed with Darius in the past haven't you i'm sure he's been yeah like three uh, like, yeah like three i'm gonna do it again yeah, soon yeah, yeah. actually yeah well try try and make a, a, a mental note or whatnot and, and ask you i know he's also like a very honest guy and he talks um quite openly about stuff it'd be interesting to hear what his views are on like being on camera and all this kind of thing because um, you never know man like yeah some people i suppose you like anything in life you get born to do it people that are naturals and you think <clears> wow like they just command the attention they are when they're in the limelight Mm-hmm. killing it but I, I just i just sometimes ask myself like is that really the case or is it just easy to assume that but yeah man like i i do not crave having a camera stuck in my face 
but I, um, tr- I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, at performing to the cameras because I think it's it's a good skill to have. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, talk and talk about the, uh, the illustrator. Yeah, man. So the illustrator. Um, Love that title, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ties in nicely with what you do, doesn't it? Again, like the illustrator. So this is a very much uh, original lockdown tune. So my timelines are a bit hazy, but I think this was March or April, that very initial lockdown when none of us really knew what was going on in the world and all the rest of it. Uh, And I remember it being a really nice, bright, sunny mornings in the UK. It was springtime. And I was like, wow, okay, like I'm not I'm not allowed to go to work for the foreseeable future. And I was getting up in the morning, going into the studio at like 7 a.m. Uh, and Hayden uh, Revan, who's one half of Ill Truth, the production duo Ill Truth, um, Hayden produces under the solo name Revan. And he sent me this tune and I was like, mate, this is bad. And he was like, okay, we'll see, see what we can do with it. And I went in, wrote the lyrics, had a little play with it and recorded it and sent it back and in the kind of usual back and forth style. And he was like, yeah, this is sick. And then that is two years ago, April this year, 22. I think my timelines are right, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So that track's kind of been floating around for over two years. And it's become part of his new Revan EP, which again is a Flex Out audio. So these are sort of sneak previews of what's dropping on Flex Out. Um, so his, his EP features this track the illustrator and really it was we didn't i don't know we didn't go into it with a particular brief he just said to me do what you want but in my mind i thought okay this isn't this isn't like a obviously it's not a halftime tune it didn't feel like it was a deep dungeon kind of tune what i would call a dungeon tune it was more a bit more steppy and a bit more energy and i felt yeah okay this this is one for the dance floors and i don't often do dance floor tunes i tend to end up doing the sort of more dungeon stuff like i just said or the halftime tunes so um yeah this this one i wanted to try and make it catchy but still have some substance to the lyrics and just do you know what it was like at the time i've been watching um oh, what's the program it was an american program is it ink masters about tattoo or the tattoo artist almost like a okay. reality show yeah there's a few there's a few of those actually yeah yeah been kind of getting into that and um you know, I don't have any tattoos or anything like that, but I was just quite interested that the, the, the art of tattooing was something that was on my mind at the time and I was really respect like what these, these tattoo artists can do. So yeah, it's, the lyrics aren't particularly just about tattooing, but it was inspired by that. There's some little references to like tattoos and tattoo techniques and stuff. But yeah, it was just kind of like me talking about, uh, you know, the different concepts behind being an illustrator. And I'm like a verbal illustrator, but trying to tie it in with um, actual illustrations like ink on a page kind of thing uh but yeah to keep it snappy not too sort of deep and lots of long long bars um um and yeah really happy with the outcome and like i say that's going to be coming out of flex out audio a bit later in the year as part of a seven or eight track ep i think nice you know it's interesting the you're like oh the mc is an illustrator and it's funny because we're the one with the words Mm. and so you would think that the producer would be the illustrator in this in in drum and bass, but it's not. It's yeah. the opposite. We like we're the ones that come in and and sprinkle like the images around the story that the producer is telling. So it's a it's an interesting play. Yeah, man. Well, that, that's that's a nice way to look at it. I like yeah, I like thinking of it like that. Yeah, I think the producer, the producer and the DJ um, kind of paint the soundscape, and then we can kind of highlight it with lots of we can chuck some extra colors and 
bits and pieces over the top of it, and then we get that the overall picture. So, uh, <laughs> what do you what do you, uh, what do you what do you listen to when you're actually writing? I, I was talking to you know you mentioned interviewing Dell and on the first interview I ever did with him, we we're talking about that a little bit, and he's like he he's, he avoid he's kind of like a stand up comedian when he's writing <laughs> his stuff, he avoids other. Uh, other MCs, he avoids drum and bass yeah. because he doesn't want what he is writing to get tainted or unduly um, influenced by other yeah. people. So he listens to stuff that's like outside the box completely. So what what what's your process like? Yeah, I can relate to that. Although to be honest, I, yeah, I totally get like I definitely don't want to be listening to lots of um, MC or sorry, like mixes, like studio mixes. Or yeah, I tend to stay away from listening to other MCs, drum and bass MC stuff. Um, when I'm writing but you know to be honest for me I would I do write to the beat I tend to try and really get to know the track so if someone sends me a track uh, for a particular project you know I'll literally just write to the track but if I'm just sitting down and and writing um just because I feel like I want to write some new new lyrics or some new content then I I just tend to revert back to particular DJ mixes that I like and to be honest with you like um my personal preference is the halftime DMV. Like I just love, I love that just suits my style. And um, yeah, I tend to write to halftime stuff to be honest with you, but I don't really, I don't really write drummer bass lyrics to non DMV music. Like I, I, I don't stick on a hip hop track particularly. Um, I tend to stay with the genre and the tempo, but find something that I like within it uh, or, or just write to the track that the producer sent me and have it kind of on loop to be honest with you but yeah in terms of creative process then I was talking to someone about this the other day um, I started off by saying I'm not sure what my creative process is then the more I talked the more I realized that I had been trying different things recently I kind of feel like back in the day it was you know like I, I've never and I don't mind saying this I've never found writing easy mm -hmm. you know um Obviously, ev everyone has their own style and, and and whatever. But so I hear some MCs. I can't think of an example now, particularly. But hear people talking in interviews about yeah, writing is like my way out when I've got pain to deal with and I've got challenges stuff going on in life. I write. To me, that I love. That sounds wicked, but that's not something I can really relate to. Like, if anything, having to write lyrics almost stresses me out, causes totally. me causes me stress. So, like, my writing process back in the day was very mechanical. You can almost like hear the cogs, the gears grinding in my brain, uh, and it'd be like, oh my god, like, right, I've got a mix coming up, a sixty minute mix. I want to write some fresh lyrics, or producers sent me the beat. I want to make sure this one really hits. And I would, you know, it could almost be a painful process of self-doubt and all these things setting in but, oh, um, but that's that's after i've beaten the procrastination to even bother start writing in the first place so like it's a real deep process but really uh more recently i've found some good ways to beat the procrastination because that's the key thing like if you can't even get to the point where you get, writing used to represent something quite challenging to me it's like right it's not just like i've got a beat i'm going to write to it i'm a creative and i want to express myself I find it hard to relate to that. Writing used to be for me, oh my God, <laughs> I've got to write a track. Like, what am I going to do over this one? I hope I can fix, write something good. Um, you know, quite a lot of self doubt and stuff. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it would take me months to even bother getting around to it. So, so these days, to beat that procrastination, um, I managed to find some little hacks that have let me almost 
trick myself into writing. So whereas like I used to sort of look at the the computer or the mic or whatever, and it would almost instantly I would connect that that visual the visual of the computer or the mic looking over in the corner of the room and seeing it would make me think self doubt ah oh, struggle challenge this is going to be hard what's it you know what's so and so going to think of the lyrics that I write what if what if to get beyond that um I tried to break it down into a much smaller step so I started tricking myself like right okay tonight I'm definitely not going to write any lyrics I wanted to get this project under on the way on on the go um I'm just going to turn on logic actually okay what I'm going to do is turn on logic and import the track set up the project save it so that when I'm ready I can click the button and start recording and that little I know it sounds so simple but just that little way to try and beat my brain and just sort of take away some of the overwhelming stuff like I'm not going to write I'm not going to write I'm just going to do you know anyone can go into a room and turn on the computer I can do that of course I can and then you know maybe that night that's that is all I, I would do and you know before you know it I might have written four bars down but it took away some of the the overwhelm to it um so I found that that was that was quite a good um hack if you like and then also I mean I mean in terms of actual writing then one of my main ways to try and get the juices flowing is to do and I talk about this in in the tune focusing that we mentioned earlier but you know I say um talk about spider diagrams um spider diagrams is how the content gets drafted that's the lyric but that's true like get an A4 pad write a word in the middle whatever I feel the word needs to be or what it is maybe it might even be the title of the track I don't know and then just loads of loads of words coming off it lots of spiders webs firing out and word association and rhymes and then I might just leave it at that and then the next day whenever I go back in on it then I kind of feel like the rhymes start to write themselves and you can then craft them into whatever they need to be um and also ju ju just finally on a talking for quite a long time but the, the show's for <laughs> no no big up but um working with medic on the expert theory stuff has also really helped me because it's interesting again we've just talked about what are other people's processes and and <clears throat> uh, how do they approach it so with medic he you know i don't want to talk on his behalf but i'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying like his style when i linked up with him uh was very much like look get it down get it down he writes quite a lot on his phone so he gets his phone out using the notes section get 16 bars down uh and like, I'd, be, I'd almost be agonizing over the first line while he's written a whole 16 but his kind of thing was doesn't need to be perfect like get the 16 down and then we can mess about with it for a bit and then he'll go back in and sort of change oh that word actually maybe it sound better where I was very much like every time the pen touched the page, it had to be perfect from that moment forth. And I couldn't quite grasp the concept of, well, it doesn't really matter because I could cross it out or rework that bit. So working with him has really helped me loosen up a bit and sort of not, I don't mean the quality control goes down. It's like, just write anything, write any old shit. It'll be all right. It's just like, look, just write because striving for perfection is just going to kill it. Like as, as a procrastinator myself as well, someone that, identifies with uh, procrastination then that that can be a real challenge in itself it can be a real barrier to creativity so like get something down and craft it afterwards and I, yeah man i think that that combining all of everything that i've just said would probably be my that that's my writing process basically yeah man i, I don't know if i prescribe to this thing of like natural we've said it a few times in the interview about sort of natural ability or, or being a natural but I kind of think that I don't know how, how important that is. 
and especially like with the MC thing, you're like all lyrics, writing, rapping, whatever. It, it's so subjective, isn't it? Like, as a massive fan of the culture, I there's I love some, you know, I can't think of names now. I'm saying it out loud, but I love these intricate wordplay guys. But I also love the guy that's probably got fuck all lyrics being blunt, but his swagger, his style, the way he says it, tone of voice, he's just sick. Some days are like maybe quite a lot of days. I like I prefer that guy. So I think there's more to it than just like uh, being the sickest rapper. It's like it's there's so many facets, isn't there? Like it's the there's so I, many I think GQ is a perfect example. He's not known as like a rapper's MC, but his voice and everything is just like yeah. Jesus Christ, it's a fucking mountain. Like well, yeah, I, exactly. You know? Look at it. Look at it like that. You know, uh, I could sit for countless hours doing the sickest lyrics I've ever written in my life. I'm never going to sound as good as GQ when he touches the <laughs> mic and just says, check, check. Even that, and you're just like, yeah, it's so, yeah, there's so many. And, and but, you know, I, you can only be yourself at the end of the day. Like, yes, um, absolutely. you can only be yourself. And the comparison is the thief of all joy. So as soon as you start saying, oh, but I don't sound like him. And oh, he's got the better lyric. And it's just like, well, basically, you are building yourself like a you how are you ever going to be happy then because you can only be the best most authentic version of you like i think authenticity is key like you know Absolutely. no and especially in the realm of mc and you know what it's like you can't no one wants to be the guy that's biting so and so style like what are you going to be like the the second best version of that guy no just be the best right. version of you and like i'm i'm saying all this stuff now i'm thinking yeah this <laughs> i'm talking a good game but i i had to remind myself of this um on a pretty regular basis because uh yeah i think i just think it's important like you need to be for, for me like the key word of the last year or so that sort of brings me back in check is authenticity like do i want to be authentic yeah 100 percent. okay well, the only way to do that is to be yourself with all that that comes with, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, look, man, I, uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, these, uh, these releases in the mixes there, they all sound, uh, amazing. So I'm looking forward to playing these, uh, after this interview and, uh, yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll touch base soon. All right. Yes. Please keep in contact. And once again, thanks for getting me on. Uh, yeah, please feel free to play all the music if you wish. And yeah, I've really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Mate. I think we've covered some interesting ground and it's gone in some, some nice directions. So yeah, big up for having me on. Uh, for sure, and, uh, man. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. All right, bro. You take it easy. Take it easy. All right. So coming up now, we've got focus featuring AM 94. This is called focus in on flex out audio. And as always, this is the prophecy. Let's go. Check it. I fortify my flow with vitamins and minerals. Sticking to the rhythm like I've super glued my syllables. From the bottom, I'm climbing up to the pinnacle. Wait. I'm focusing. Give me them beats, deep, dark and minimal Line them up, every single one and watch me kill them all My back catalogue, bare vinyl and digital Wait, I'm focusing I'm feeling comfortable just like my favourite Harachi Putting words into a sequence, call me Fibonacci The equilibrium won't fit into your hierarchy I read the grimy side, the opposite of Liberace Step into the party, vibes are never dead stop X amount of flows, them circulate around your head top The motor magma, deep below the bedrock My talk is never tepid, touch the mic to make it red hot And what? 
Some of you lot make a mockery Get to know the culture, understand it, rep it properly Bar protection, intellectual property Voice projection, clarity is garby Can't be stopping me, I've already started My flow is always on time, it's already departed Bill it with my bare hands, carefully crafted Spider diagrams, how the content gets drafted I fortify my flow with vitamins and minerals Sticking to the rhythm like I've super glued my syllables From the bottom I'm climbing up to the pinnacle Wait, I'm focusing Give me them beats Deep, dark and minimal Line them up Every single one and watch me kill them all My back catalogue Bare vinyl and digital Wait I'm focusing Give me them, give me them beats Give me them, give me them beats Deep, dark and minimal Focusing Give me them, give me them beats Give me them, give me them beats Minimal, minimal, spitting the same dead flow. That's dreadful. When it comes to ammunition, I've got a head full. Been doing this since the age of one six. X amount of lyrics salivating on my lips, flowing from my fingertips to the tip of my tongue. I'll be spitting sixteens until the age of sixty-one. Time keeps ticking. I can't hesitate. Get into the booth, lace the beat in one take. Yo, actually slow it down. Wait, I'm giving you the verbal version of acetate. My one away style, made to measure flow. Keeping it exclusive like a tennis double play. Check my lyrical tech, strictly heavyweight. Rhythm to make them step. Let me demonstrate. Freedom of knowledge, undiluted sound. FOKUS, articulate, I fling it down. I fortify my flow with vitamins and minerals. Sticking to the rhythm like I've super glued my syllables. From the bottom, I'm climbing up to the pinnacle. Wait, I'm focusing. Give me them beats, deep, dark, and minimal. Line them up, every single one, and watch me kill them all. My back catalogue, bare vinyl and digital. Wait, I'm focusing. All right, coming up, we have Revan and Focus, and this is called The Illustrator, forthcoming on Flex Out Audio. And of course, this is The Prophecy here on CIUT 89.5 FM. Let's keep it going. the composition check out the detail crisp line work and shading it's permanent here to stay never faded faded it's permanent 
permanent Here to stay and never fade we're going to hear from focus this one with medic mc as x bar theory no empty words featuring theoretical and that is a great producer name by the way and once again this is the prophecy keep it locked speak the truth you know we never lie unadulterated with an intent to supply words multiply take a second and begin to rise evaporate and now we're climbing up to clearer skies but empty words here we got meaning keep the essence pure no plotting no scheming truly unique we got that genuine feeling two-way communication keep giving and receiving speak the truth you know we never lie Unadulterated, with an intent to supply Words multiply, take a second and begin to rise Evaporating, now we're climbing up to clearer skies No empty words here, we got meaning Keep the essence pure, no plotting, no scheming 
truly unique We got that genuine feeling Two-way communication, keep giving and receiving I stay sharp like a nail, my tongue is the hammer Nuts and bolts are the words, my mind is the spanner Architecture, design the project from the ground up Survey the landscape, keep building the sound up Witness my renaissance, modernise the classical Straight to the point, no theatricals Manoeuvre tactical, forever sticking to the strategy Connected to the music like a part of my anatomy Skyscraper, recognised like a landmark See the eyes flicker when the beat sparks Then the technique starts, getting charged like static Yeah I'm pragmatic, keep calm and don't panic Never opaque, transparent when I spray Distillation, detoxify my DNA I'm dealing with the next level of purity Keep my shit on lockdown like government security Speak the truth, you know we never lie Unadulterated, with an intent to supply Words multiply, take a second and begin to rise Evaporating, now we're climbing up to clearer skies No empty words here, we got meaning Keep the essence pure, no plotting, no scheming Truly unique, we got that genuine feeling Two-way communication, keep giving and receiving Speak the truth, you know we never lie Unadulterated, with an intent to supply Words multiply, take a second and begin to rise Evaporate and now we're climbing up to clearer skies No empty words here, we got meaning Keep the essence pure, no plotting, no scheming Truly unique, we got that genuine feeling Two-way communication, keep giving and receiving Natural born writer, that will never change Still a student of this music game Soundscape scavenger, rummage in the plains No limit to the BPM, running in my veins Write lyrics with diligence, detail on the page Firing never miss, I'm on point, focus the same Never stalling, straight back, deliver bars laced with pain Never falling from the top, defend titles all the same Forget the tempo, we come with the same structure Crystal clear bars, make your inner ear rupture Firing through the system with a sound like no other Lyrical beat preaching, disciples of the culture Focus Regardless of the topic, tongue twist ambassadors Foundation like fibre optic In it for the passion, struggle is symbolic Tough times ahead, be wary of the false prophets Speak the truth, you know we never lie Unadulterated, with an intent to supply Words multiply, take a second and begin to rise Evaporate and now we're climbing up to clearer skies No empty words here, we got meaning Keep the essence pure, no plotting, no scheming Truly unique, we got that genuine feeling Two-way communication, keep giving and receiving Alright, so this is called My Remedy. This is from the new Tally album, Future Dwellers, featuring the mighty Ruth Royal on vocals as well. And then we're going to get into the Tally interview. So keep it locked, everybody. I am Valiant MC, and this is The Prophecy.
So I took uh, a couple of listens through. And so you produced the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that is quite a departure for you. So when did you get into production for, for your, well, not just for yourself, but obviously you have other vocalists and stuff like that, but when did you get into the production side of things? Well, I've been producing for years, actually, as it goes. Um, <laughs> I started learning how to produce like, Oh, I don't know, like back in 2006 when I lived in London, my then boyfriend taught me how to use Reason and then he taught me how to use Pro Tools so that I could record myself and basically kind of cut out the whole studio middleman type vibe. And um, and I realised that I actually love doing that stuff and I'm a bit of a nerd. I actually really enjoy it. And then um, when I came back to <clears> New <throat> Zealand, I was obviously having to start again because people didn't really know who I was. I'd been away for 10 years. So I came back to New Zealand. I put out um, an album called of things to come, which was kind of like electronic pop and it was produced by somebody else. And, you know, it was a really nice album. And then I kind of was a bit like, ah, oh, I'm sick of relying on other people and I'm sick of relying on men for starters to like have control or, you know, direction in my career. I just want to like do it myself. So I put out an album called Wolves, which was completely self-produced and it's all just like kind of cinematic hip hop, electronica type vibes. And then I didn't again for the next three albums, which were Keta and no, the next two albums, which were Keta and Love Migration. So, and Love and Migration was obviously signed to uh, focus recordings. So they, it was all focus recordings artists and then during lockdown, you know, I was kind of like, all right, this is enforced studio time. What else am I going to do except tinker around in the studio? And I'd always wanted to learn how to use Logic. And everyone had said to me, you know, it looks really similar to GarageBand. If you know how to use GarageBand, you'll be able to use Logic in no time at all. And I just basically spent the last two and a half years learning how to use Logic to a point where I felt confident enough to actually make not just tracks, but drum and bass tracks, because there's always been this um, hesitancy to actually try and produce drum and bass because I just never thought that I was allowed <laughs> or I should, if you know what I mean. I have, I have this about almost everything that I do. So I don't, I don't want you to take the wrong way, but did you have imposter syndrome yeah, when it came hard. to producing drum and bass? Okay. For sure. You know, it's like, I kind of wanted to like learn how to DJ. And my husband was like, you're really good at everything. Can you just leave one thing to me and that I could be good at? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I won't learn how to DJ then. But producing was like, has always been something in the back of my mind. Like when I used to work with Ronnie Size and, and Crust and Die, I always sat beside them in the studio and I watched what they were doing. And I constantly asked questions and I probably slowed the process down a lot and frustrated them, you know, in the process. But I wanted to know what was happening and what was going on. I don't like, I don't like completely relinquishing control. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I am a bit of a control freak, if you want to call it that. I call it being meticulous and professional, no, and, I get you. and and having an understanding of what's going mm-hmm. on. You know, what is the point of making music if you don't understand the process? During lockdown and with with logic right in front of me and with days and days and days of and hours and hours and hours of nothing else to do, I just developed this little routine where I got up in the morning, I did like an hour's yoga, I had my breakfast, I had a shower, I turned on my computer and I sat down and I started to create. And little by little, I started making different tunes. And then I just was like, I found this atmospheric sample and I was like, it just needs to be a fucking drum and bass tune. It just has to be. So then I just start like going through a few sample packs and, you know, looking at some drums and stuff and 
just was like, all right, I'm just going to put that on there and see what happens. <laughs> and, and then I was like, oh, that sounds really fucking good. And I, I might just play some keys. Oh, no, I might just play some strings. And then, you know, next thing, my husband's running down the stairs, opening the door going, what the fuck is this? This is wicked. Is this you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've made this. And he's like, this is really good, Tali. This is great. Keep going. Keep developing. Keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing, basically. So lockdown, as hard as it was, in many different aspects, there was also a massive silver lining for me. I enjoyed it. I loved having enforced studio time. And every time we went back into lockdown, you know, because we, we went back into lockdown like three times over here, um, I was like, great, I guess I'll just work a little bit more on that album. And, yeah, next thing, you know, I had a collection of tracks and I played a few demos to a few different people who were staying here, like Alex AMC and Dynamite and Tom Piper and played some to like Monroe when he was over here and just were like getting kind of getting some feedback. Like, I guess I just wanted to know, am I good? Am I good enough? I, I, you know, like, is this actually good enough that as good as what I think it is? And the response was yes. It is, but then, you know, like Monroe was like, oh, maybe you should like do this with that. And then when I played it to Harry Bryson, he was like, this is wicked, but turn the strings up, man. The strings need to be shining, you know, and like little tidbits like that, which I really took on board from people whose music I respect and love and who I know actually give a shit about me. You know, they're people who genuinely care about me. Um, and then I thought, well, if I'm going <clears> to <throat> do this and I'm going to put this out, it has to be really amazing quality. Like it's got to be mixed down by the best. So I asked my friend Tikitane, who's um, probably one of the best engineers in New Zealand, if he would mix it down for me and if he would give me a massive discount. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, absolutely. And so I went to his house for a week. We sat in front of his big speakers and his big screens and he just was like, how do you want this to sound? Like, tell me what's, you know, like, do you want this bit louder? And it was really like a beautiful process because I got to watch him. He taught me heaps of stuff that I didn't know about mixing down while I was there. And I got to have all this input into how I wanted it to sound. So yeah, I'm super pleased with the way it's come out and no one can criticize the mix down because <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. If you, <clears throat> if you criticize him. Let's talk about the way it sounds. Cause obviously, you know, your career has been marked by a number of different iterations, sonically speaking. So the sonic palette, on this album is very different, obviously, than Love and Migration was. Um, is it? What is it? Tell me. Definitely. <laughs> um, but in a, in a very interesting way, the I found that there was a lot of um, some of the, the textures in there were like almost 80s science fiction influenced sounding. Elements is definitely 80s sci-fi electro there's, there's, there's new a few wave. things in there that like, yeah, a lot of electro and like new wave-ish sounds. The whole album had a very distinct, cohesive sonic palette, and I just thought it was a, an interesting departure. I also noticed, obviously, that you were not vocalizing on a number of the tunes. When you were approaching those songs that you were showcasing your vocals on, did you have the beat first, or did you come at that with the song in mind first? All of the tracks were tracks first before I got oh, any okay. vocals. Yeah. There was a, like there were certain vocalists that I knew I wanted to work with, and there was a there was a story that I knew I wanted to tell with the song that I sang where I'm singing on my own, which is the only song where I'm singing on my own. Um, but the all of the tunes were made first because in the past it's always been very vocal driven, vocal led, vocals telling the stories, vocals doing everything. 
you know, like with Love and Migration, right. it's like every single song is me singing. And it's like there's more than one way to tell a story. There's more than one way to um, convey expression and meaning. And some of the most powerful songs, and I'm sure you agree, that we love in this world are instrumentals, are tracks without mm-hmm. vocals. Mm-hmm. So it was really important to me that I start with <clears throat> telling the story first instrumentally and produ- production-wise because that's first and foremost is what I'm wanting to do with this album is depart from being seen as just a vocalist and actually start to be considered more as a producer and a composer because I also compose for film and television now too. That's just like some crazy job that's like sprung up in the last year. Like the universe is definitely guiding me in a certain way and I'm just going with it and it's turning out pretty good. Um, But yeah, so it was all the tracks were created first and then I only put vocals on tracks where I really felt it needed it. There was, I was not going to put vocals on a track for vocal's sake or work with a vocalist just because it meant working with that vocalist. It was very carefully curated what songs would have vocals and what wouldn't. Like when I made Back to Before, which is that little kind of two-step garage vibe, mm-hmm. um, track three, I knew that I wanted mm-hmm. Jess Patterson to sing on it. I already knew that I wanted her to sing on that track but I had to make the track first before I could work out how I wanted her to sing Um, because I wrote that melody. Well, actually the melody was originally a sample from Splice. And with the the thing about using sample packs and things like Splice is that, you know, other people can end up using those things too. So Mm. you have to be really careful. So, which is fine because sometimes it's kind of cool. You'd be like, oh, so-and-so, someone else sampled that, you know, it's not always a bad thing. But for me, it was, it was quite integral that um, I would play around with the samples enough that they would be more original, you know, they would sound slightly different. So originally some, that melody line for back to before was a girl's vocal that I found on splice and it sounded so good, but I didn't want to use a sample. I wanted to use a real vocal. I wanted jazz to sing it. So the melody is quite similar to the sample, um, but the lyrics are completely different and the way that she sings is is quite different. So did you write the what she would sing with her or did um, you kind yeah. of let her take the, the No, I co-wrote those lyrics with her. Yeah, because it was really quick. She came here. She doesn't live in Auckland. She lives in Christchurch and she was here visiting her boyfriend at the time. And she was heading back to Christchurch that afternoon. So we literally just had a morning and she just came in here. I already had the melody line. I'd sent her the melody line and I'd said, this is the melody line. These are the words I want you to say. But then when she got here, I was like, is there anything you want to add to that? So then we kind of wrote a little bit more together, but that was just with jazz. That was just that process. Yeah. So how do you think this album is going to affect you going forward in the future? I mean, is this something that's going to, change the way you have worked in the sense are you going to try to handle most things yourself from now on or is this sort of like uh well i'll go back to this later and you I, don't know. Diversify. I really honestly can't say like i don't know like i, de- I definitely want to be producing more for myself in the future but do i want to necessarily keep self-releasing no obviously it's so much easier when you're on a label because they do everything for you it's way less of a headache um, like doing everything yourself is quite stressful and anxiety inducing. So it'd be quite nice to like not have that um, or maybe just delegate, maybe just employ some people to do some things for me, you know, like Alex Press does with his label, just get a couple of people and go and take care of the shit that you can't do, like the accounting and all that. So <clears throat> for example, because I am so fearful of accounting and <clears throat> having to like 
I, I never not want to pay people. I never want people to not get what they deserve because for many years I didn't get paid and I've not been paid for lots of music that I've done over the years, as many of us have, and drum and bass. <laughs> um, and so for me, it was really important that all of the artists got paid. So I, rather than worrying about accounting for them in the future, for example, I just paid everybody a performance fee. Um, and a lot of the songs, the lyrical content is written by me anyway. So there's only a couple of songs, uh, Lost Up In Your Love with Faraswami and Cause and Effect with INF, the two guys, they're the only two who wrote all of the lyrics and melodies themselves. So, but even then I just paid them out and they were like, sweet, we're actually getting paid for something. We've done. <laughs> you know, everyone's just fucking grateful to get money out of these days. So, um, so, but that way it means that I don't, you know, they're credited as, as writers, they get a percentage of the publishing, but in terms of sales, like I paid them and I, I probably paid them way more than what the album will ever make, but that's okay because I want everyone to feel good about having contributed to the project and feel like it was fair and just, you know? So this is a self-released album, tracks album with Maverick Soul was self-released. Uh, a number of artists have been self-releasing a lot more lately. You know, you say it's nice to delegate to a label, but what do you feel like the future of labels is going forward? I kind of feel like maybe the role of labels is changing or at the very least the relevancy of labels is starting to change. Yeah, I think a similar thing is happening to what happened, you know, back in the 90s where people signed their shit away and then realized that actually within two or three years they'd changed quite a lot as an artist that evolved and they'd grown and then they were, they were stuck with this label that may not necessarily represent them in their sound anymore or who actually they what, what wasn't paying them fairly. And I actually think in drum and bass, there are a couple of labels out there where they've grown quite big to the point where artists are starting to complain about the same sort of thing where they're not seeing enough money, like the label's taking uh, heaps of it or they are at the mercy of what the label wants to do. Like the idea, right? The, the idea that somebody tells me how to change my song. Like I get it if they're like, you could beef up the drums a little bit and you could do this and I get that. But even then I'm like, get fucked. It's my song. <laughs> like, you know, and they'll be like, well, it needs to sound like this for the label. And then I'm like, put that shit because this is me. This is who I am. This is what I want to release. You know, like the thought of having to, 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 to change and bend so much. Like I've never actually had to do that. I've been really, really fortunate that with the two labels, three labels I've been signed to, they've actually let me have a lot of freedom in terms of the tracks that um, I wanted to put on my album. Um, but I think the future of labels going forward, I mean, I think, it's evidenced by the amount of people who are doing self-releases and starting their own labels, you know, like Jack Whipforce starting his label, you know, Alex Perez with his label, like all these people who are now becoming independent, like just one person and they're either just releasing their music or they're just releasing like just a few artists and they're keeping it all quite tight within their camp. And I think that's, that's the way to go at the moment because it means that you can release when you want, what you want and how you want. Which is, which is why I did this, because I knew with Future Dwellers, I was like, people are not going to want to sign this if it's got, like, a slow burn track on it. Like, 
you know, like fire circulars or um, cause and effect. People aren't going to necessarily get lost up in your love. So why even bother? Why even bother? And also I want to release it when I want to release it. I don't want to be at the mercy of like standing in a queue and waiting for so-and-so ahead of me to release theirs and then them to release theirs. I just want to release it when I want to release it. So I created Rain Recordings and it just means that I've, it feels like I've built my own house and now I own all of my own music as well. I own Lyric on My Lip. I own Dark Days, High Nights. I don't own Love and Migration yet. But, you I know, was going to ask you, are you when, do, when do you think, when will the rights for that revert back to you? Or In like 10 years, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that was released yeah. in 2017? Yeah. Okay. So five more years? Uh, I need to look at that. But anyway, I feel like <laughs> I've built my house and now I'm furnishing it with all of my things. Right. My, my music. Yeah. How important, the house. how important do you think that is going forward for women? especially like women artists. I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of very high profile women engaged with management and label troubles over the past, well, I mean forever, but obviously Taylor Swift is something that comes to mind. She's re-recorded a number of albums because she was locked into uh, an untenable management situation. You know, these kinds of things. And I feel like, you know, uh, women artists tend to be dismissed and or taken advantage of more so. So, do you feel like this is kind of like a, I don't know, like a bellwether for artists who have been traditionally overlooked and underrepresented going forward? For women, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, do you mean like in terms of yeah, taking ownership, basically, and like yeah, doing what we yeah, want to do? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, also like you look at someone like I was just reading that Beyonce's new album. Like she wanted to make sure that she wasn't working with anybody who had any assault charges or sexual harassment mm. cases against them or who, who you know, <clears throat> any, anything that might create a bad stigma around the album. But then they went and used Milkshake and they didn't ask Khalees if they could. Um, <laughs> so that didn't Oh, they didn't. Out. That's kind of. Nah. And Khalees oh, is somebody who has man. notoriously been taken advantage of over oh, yeah. her entire career. Yeah. I mean, if we're, you know, talking about commercial artists. But I think just like in terms of drum and bass, um, you know, like, um, I think that there's already evidence of like woman centric labels and 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 woman centric sort of like groups or collectives, I should say, that are out there and putting music out. You know, because it for so long it really has felt like this industry has been gatekept by so many people, and <clears throat> you know, like you send you send tunes to like so many labels and like don't get a single reply. You know, like I see my album to quite a few different DJs didn't hear a single thing back from them before, before release, you know, to, and was like, Hey, maybe like, might 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 play some of these tunes out in the club. Nothing like absolute birds. And then, and then as another example, um, I sent, so then the album came out and then I was like looking through my messages and I thought, Oh, I should send it to that DJ. I haven't, you know, spoken to them in a long time. So I sent them the album and they called me up to tell me off for not, sending it to them pre-release like basically was like it's whack that you're sending this to me now when it's already out it's like who the fuck are you why are you taking the time out of your day to call me up two days after my album's been released to tell me you think it's shit that you're only getting it now I was like I'm sorry that you're not a fucking priority in my life bro 
Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's just like every single step of the way, there's something or someone that's gatekeeping and trying to hold us back or make us feel bad at a time when we should be being celebrated. And we're done with it. We're so done with it. And so going forward, like, you know, unless labels become more inclusive and have more female and non-binary artists and make more of an effort to make those artists who are on their labels feel welcomed and feel heard, then I guess we are just going to do it for ourselves. You know, I have to say I'm surprised with the underground nature of dance music in general, or excuse me, I should say the underground roots of dance music, that more people don't take a punk rock approach to it and release it themselves. It's just, uh, it's a bit mystifying. I think it's because a lot of us are such artists that things like, yeah, accounting, organizing, you know, like, there are lots of facets to releasing music, which is quite scary. Like lots of people don't know how to put their music onto a streaming platform. Lots of people um, don't know how to write contracts and stuff like that. So, and dance music is notorious for that, like notorious. And so it's little wonder that people get taken advantage of. I was taken advantage of right from the get go with one of the very first people I worked with in the UK made me sign a contract a piece of fucking paper that said, you know, I wouldn't get anything from this tune, even though I had like, they, they basically paid me 25% of the track. And then when my publisher tried to dispute it, they called me up and abused me. So it's little wonder that people don't want to have to deal with those kind of aspects. It is easier to have a manager take control, a label take control and lots of aspects. But then the downside of that is that you lose control. <clears throat> the album is out. Let's uh, talk about the album. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Our, now, uh, it's on Bandcamp, um, streaming, et cetera, et cetera. Are you planning on, by any chance, doing any kind of vinyl release for it or no? Yeah, I am. But it's like the minimum you can press at the vinyl factory here in New Zealand is 150 and it's really expensive. So I would have to be certain of selling a hundred copies to at least break even. And I just have a fear of pressing that much of anything. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've, Absolutely. I've, pressed, I've pressed CDs <laughs> in the past and I've still got like two fucking boxes up in my closet here of CDs of old, not love and migration that sold out, but like previous albums. So I have this fear of like pressing too much and then not being able to sell it. But the other thing is, is that I could potentially do the whole, look, if we get to 100, you know, you know, you, you, you pay for it. And if you get to 100, we go, we go to press. And if we don't, you get your money back. I could do that, I suppose. But right. I kind of feel like that the cover deserves to be on a vinyl. The cover's <laughs> so awesome. My mum painted the cover. Oh, okay. My mum painted it. And so it's beautiful. And everyone's like, this needs to be vinyl. I'm like, have you got 3,800 bucks? <laughs> All right, so don't mind the music in the background here. I actually lost a little bit of the audio from the interview, so bear with me, everybody. Well, and you can look at the reverse, too. Remember Boymerang's album? I think it was like eight tracks. Yeah. You know, because the tracks were really long. Album listening itself is different, though, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it, though, is because the albums are, are albums, you don't have to do your typical shit. 
I love that Boomerang album. And it's so funny because yeah, I so always good. reference it. I talk about so him good. and I reference him a lot. Nobody else ever talks about him. You're literally the only person. It's so good. And I just, what the fuck happened to him, man? I use when when um when I do interviews where I get asked to play tracks, you know, with the with the interviews like play some seminal tracks that influenced you. I always play Boomerang. Uh, that album and uh, Fotech and Source Direct, those albums were really like, whoa, this is some different shit. Even New Forms, though, as well, you know, like New Forms was <clears> real <throat> jazzy and like such a um, relief from a lot of the harder kind of drum and bass that was present at the time it was such a difference it was the bristol sound was the bristol sound you know like and and also v recordings you know but like new forms it's got tunes on it that like are down tempo like the tune with bahamadia which and i've always loved bahamadia so when she was on that album i was super jazzed about that no pun intended you know she did a whole album she did a whole album on her iphone what well produced it or recorded it both there was this oh. app for a while, <clears throat> and I forget what app it was. The, the album, well, I don't want to call it an album. I, I think it was like more of a glorified EP. And the beats were pretty stripped back and everything. But like, she actually, I remember seeing like footage on Facebook of her recording the vocal into her phone in her car. And like, I, man, I was like, that's that for me, like right there is I'm waiting for that to happen where people can <laughs> record like on a phone or something and it's the kind of quality that could actually cut it in terms of like someone releasing i mean it depends if on what you want things to sound like like someone like bjork is notorious for fucking with her microphone and recording with the microphone backwards and recording in the other room and you know like she definitely has played around with the recording process her entire career um and it just depends on what you want how you want things to sound you know like for example on my track lion's den there's that vocal sample of it's tricky who's saying you just had five five musicians doing it not for fame not for success but doing it because they love it right right. that's tricky i don't know if you picked up on that it's so that I saw that like on YouTube because I was like, I was looking for people to sample and I was like, I want to sample someone I really, really influenced by it. I wanted to sample Grace Jones, but then I actually did a little rabbit hole sidewinder detour, you know how you do. And went, Oh fuck, this tricky. And then I started listening to some really old, obscure interviews that he did. And that was just like some rando interview he did in Eastern Europe where he was like pulling questions out of a hat and answering them Mm. and that was one of the questions is like what was it like to work with massive attack and that was his answer and i was like how do i sample something off youtube how do i rip it like i was like oh i don't have time i don't know what i was what i was up to but i was feeling really time pressed and feeling quite technically challenged at that point so i just picked up my phone held it up to my laptop or no I put it on the desktop, the interview, and I record and I held my phone up to these speakers, recorded it into my phone, and then and then held my phone up to the microphone and played the sample into there, <clears throat> and then just used that. There's ways around things, you know. Like there's definitely things where I am not technically up to play, and I <laughs> will just look 
sometimes I will just look for the quickest route to get to where I'm wanting to go to, the quickest route, as you would say, to to get to where I'm wanting to go to. So sometimes that involves doing things that would probably make really technically minded producers cringe, but I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, obviously limitations tends to be sometimes a source of great creativity. So speaking of of all that, though, is there anything that you are currently rolling around your brain for what's next? Oh, I have a, um, I have an American documentary that I uh, am supposed to be scoring, not supposed to be, I am scoring the soundtrack (laughs) too, which I am starting this afternoon, actually. Um, It's been, it's a job that I won, a contract I won last year, at the end of last year or the beginning, no, the beginning of this year. And it's taken until now to come to fruition because the film hasn't been in a state where I can start work on it. So all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's all systems go. And I kind of had gotten into the the, the sort of um, mind state of like, oh, you know, it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen, you know, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's here and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so um, that's going to be quite full on. I've never composed a full length film before. The most I've ever done is like a, hour-long tv program um or commercials so this is my first ever time composing and producing for it's a two-hour a commercial it's all right <laughs> yeah it is it is and it's an american documentary and i want to do a really good job because i want to impress the director and the producer and i want them to think i'm awesome and then i want them to tell other people and i want the music supervisor to think i'm awesome because she got me the job and hopefully it will lead to other forms of composing for even bigger projects um it's like more money than I've ever been paid for anything and you know I've just been given a quarter of it as a deposit as an advance to sort of you know keep me sweet but um it's super exciting and it's a world that I've wanted to get into for a long time composing and like cinematic scores movie soundtracks I mean they're a huge influence on future dwellers like if you listen to just the opening track mansion like that that's very film scorey, And, you know, and there were sometimes Absolutely. points where my husband would say to me, look, Tali, it's all very great and well that you've like made this piece of drum and bass that sounds like a film score, but no DJ is going to play that. You have to kind of like reassess your structure and you, you have to have a breakdown here and then it needs to roll out for a certain amount of times. And you can't come in on the three. You have to come in on the one. Like, you know, like you have to just be a little bit more um, formulated when it comes to that because DJs want to be able to, mix something in it you know the amount of times I've heard him go why did they produce it like this it is so difficult to mix so I definitely tried to change up the music a lot to be more DJ friendly but at the same time I wanted it to still feel very filmic and cinematic and layered and a little bit melancholic and dark and edgy in some parts so Film scoring, producing for other people, that's another thing I really want to get into, and that's something that I am doing. I've just finished producing a three-track EP for an up-and-coming pop singer here in New Zealand, but it's not Mm. like cookie-cutter pop. It's like Lana Del Rey, Electronica vibes. The idea that we should be making our music for DJs Mm -hmm. is something that, like, irks me a little bit because... Yeah, for sure. When I'm thinking about, like, my album, I'm not... There's definitely some DJ friendly material on there, but I'm not making it for DJs. And if no DJs play it, I'm not really going to be that upset about it. I'm really making it for people to listen at home. That's why it's going to be on an album as opposed to an EP or a single or what have you. Did that 
stuff go through your mind when you were making this or did you not actually even really care? Didn't care. Didn't care. I mean, I don't, I don't see the point. Like it's like, I feel like I've spent my entire career making music for other people to make other people happy, to make other people money. And it's like, this album, I, you know, I'm in my 40s now. I've been in this industry for 20 years. I I don't have I don't owe anybody anything, you know, like I literally don't owe anybody anything. And doing this was really about something that kept me sane, something that kept me motivated, something that kept me positive during a really crazy time in the world. And for me, it was like, yeah, sure, I want to make it so that some DJs play it, but I was just, I was still the same though, bro. I was like, if people hear this album and they're like, nah, I'm not going to play that. I wouldn't have cared anyway, because like you, it's like, I just want people to be able to put it down, put it on, listen to it, sit down and have it resonate with them in some form or other. But also it wasn't about the end result. It was about the process. Like I put out this EP called Keta which was an, an an EP that I fucking loved making because the entire time I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I was making an album or a series of singles or an EP or what, because I had no plan at that point. I remember how much I just enjoyed making it. And I went traveling. I went to like Europe. I went to Berlin and was there and being really influenced and writing the whole time. And then I just came back and I did that. And the process was so satisfying. And with this album, it was the same. It was, it was just such an, awesome, fun, inspiring, uplifting thing to do that at the end of it, I was like, I really don't care what people think of this and labels probably aren't going to sign it. So you know what? I'll just put it out under my own, my own imprint. And that way I don't have to worry about any of that other stuff like we talked about previously. So yeah, I mean, obviously you want people to play your tunes in some respects. And luckily there are tunes on there that people have played, you know, like Cashmere Dreams and Lion's Den and Crystal Clear and Elements have all been spun out already, which is really great. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm the same as you. I I, it's, I kind of feel like as well, though, I wanted to avoid being really self-indulgent. Like I've been accused of being self-indulgent in the past, like totally misconstrued. Like, and it, it irked me when someone said that, oh, this, you know, it's a bit self-indulgent. She's singing about herself again. It's like, actually, if you fucking listen to the lyrics, I'm not singing about myself. I'm singing about somebody else. And if you actually listen, you'd realize that. So it irked me enough to make me think, I want to be indulgent in some respects. I want lots of cinematic orchestral elements. I want this to be able to be played live with a symphony orchestra because that's my intentions for it mm. at some point. And also I have a live band with a string quartet. So I wanted them to be able to play aspects of the album, even the instrumental songs, but I didn't want to go so far to the point that it just sounded like a, yeah, a really self-indulgent bunch of wash. So besides future dwellers, uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anything that is coming up for you that you want people to know about before I let you go? No, not really. Future Dwellers, out now, Rain Recordings, get it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it, and congratulations on the success of the new album. And, thank uh, you. Do yeah. you like it, babe? I do. I do, actually. I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised by it, actually. Cool. I don't know. It felt. It just has such a different feeling from what you've done before. You didn't sing all of it. Like You, it was, you produced the whole thing. If someone, you told some rando, oh, Tally's got a new album. And she, oh, okay. They would have, they'd have an idea in their head of what this album might sound like. Yeah. This isn't it. And that's why I was very happy about it. 
I definitely want to be somebody who cannot be so easily pigeonholed, you know, and and I've tried to do that my entire career with everything I've done. That's why I sing on house tracks, tracks on techno, why I've made dubstep, you know, perhaps you could say that I like to move with the times and I like to kind of like, um, you know, jump on what's happening at the time. But I also believe in order to have longevity and leave a legacy, it's important to to, to be flexible, to be, <clears throat> you know, like different and to grow and evolve, um, you know, and the next album I put out is going to be different again. All right. Bye. Well, thank you so much and congratulations again. Thanks, darling. Speak all right, we'll soon. talk soon, all right? Bye. Okay, bye. All right, so this one's called Crystal Clear, coming from the Tally album Future Dwellers. She does handle the vocal on this as well. Keep it locked. We're going to keep the prophecy going into the midnight hour.
This one is called Starcrossed from Tally featuring Luca George on the vocal. And everybody, this is The Prophecy here on CIUT 89.5 FM Toronto, drum and bass since 1994. Let's go.
All right, since Tally and I talked about this artist during our interview, I figured it fitting to leave off with this particular tune. This is Boy Meringue. This is the River VIP from his album Balance of the Force, which, again, we talked about. Uh, it was a cutting-edge album at the time and really kind of blew our minds. I think it was 1997 it came out. Uh, so check it out if you haven't listened to it before. Fantastic album. And uh, this is maybe my favorite track. Interestingly, this track was not included on the U.S. version of the album. Uh, there's another album called Urban Space, which is also very, very good uh, in its place. So uh, everybody have an amazing uh, after midnight <laughs> and uh, we will see you all next time. Once again, this is The Prophecy. I am Valiant MC. Until next time.
For over 33 years, CIUT FM has delivered the sound and the news of your city. 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 Of your city.